welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Champoli, News Director at APPA. We're joined today by Michelle Reimers, General Manager of California-based Turlock Irrigation District. Michelle, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, so, uh, Michelle, just to kind of get things started, um, you became General Manager of Turlock Irrigation District in January 2020. So, I'd be curious to know you could talk about um, the goals you set for yourself when you took on that position and kind of talk about where things are at in terms of progress that's been made in terms of meeting those goals since then. Sure. So I, I definitely had many goals when I first started in 2020, um, and I would probably take a to moment to, to talk about my background. I've, I've been with Turlock Irrigation District for, this is my 15th year. Uh, I started as a um, a communication specialist and kind of worked my way up through the utility and um, had communications and government and customer service um, and then applied for the position and was selected um, to become the new GM in 2020. Uh, had many goals uh, when I first started, have to admit they were a little ambitious um, <laughs> and uh, most of them kind of fit into an overarching goal themes, which I'll, I'll, I'll go over in a second, but I really did set some um, personal goals for myself as a leader. Uh, the first was really to make sure to always bring empathy to the position, which is a little unusual, I would say, for some leaders in both the water and power industry. And then, you know, another goal was to always lead by being my authentic self. Um, I'm a pretty open person, um, definitely an extrovert. Um, but very authentic and genuine. And I feel that those are, that's a trait that I always uh, appreciated in leaders and, and want to make sure that that's something that I am always bringing to the table is my authenticity. Uh, and then the third um, was really continue with a healthy work-life balance. I am a mother of two small boys and um, being a part of their life is is obviously important to me and making sure that I balance both that, you know, working as, as the leader of this utility, but yet, you know, being there for my, my family was important. So those were kind of the personal goals that I had set for myself, um, which, I, which I think is important for any leader to do when they're embarking into a new leadership role. Uh, for the utility, uh, I had kind of four main overarching goals. Um, the first was maintain operational excellence. Um, and you might say, well, that's not a very advanced goal, but um, TID is an exceptional organization, um, both on the water and power side. We have amazing customer service. Uh, we are extremely reliable uh, and, and we're also affordable. And that takes a lot of work. Uh, I, I know the utility uh, industry knows that, um, but our customers usually don't. And what I wanted to do was to be able to set a goal to, to highlight where we were succeeding. Uh, we TID didn't usually apply for awards or, or highlight any of our, our projects, uh, not only locally, but also nationally. And so that was a goal that I had set for us to start embarking on, getting noticed and recognized for all the good work that we are doing. Uh, and then you know, under that that theme, it was it was also you know maintain the excellence, but also look for ways for continuous improvement, and and any organization can can do that. Um, another specific goal was to create an enterprise risk management program. Uh, every department had you know risk levels and and knows the risk uh, to that area, 
but having a collective one for the organization was was important for me. Another overarching theme was um, an engaged workforce. I was luckily lucky to be at the the organization for 14 years and um, could see where there were areas of improvement needed in terms of you know having a more collaborative workplace culture. Uh, the first thing that we did was create what we called water and power core teams. Uh, it was amazing that you know we we work in this this organization, um, you know, obviously there was a divide between water and power, but there was also a divide within amongst the the power teams, if you will, um, you know, the transmission and distribution versus the power supply side. Uh, so one of the goals was we should definitely have more collaborative conversations amongst all groups. And um, that was a, a core tenant in, in having kind of more open discussions and making sure everyone in the organization knew what was happening. Uh, increasing internal communications was big. <laughs> I'm a communications professional by trade. And so that was a relatively easy one to increase. And um, I think all the employees appreciate that. And then one other thing that we did on the engaged workforce side was uh, employee engagement survey. Like I said, I was here for 14 years, and I never had participated in an engagement survey. And so I thought it was about time that, that we uh, uh, heard from our employees of how we're doing, uh, where areas of improvement were needed to be able to kind of build a path forward. Uh, another overarching theme was uh, building customer and community relationships. Um, we obviously were one of the first um, businesses founded here. Um, but our relationship with our community um, needed to be strengthened. Uh, we wanted to be known as a trusted community partner, not just the local utility. Uh, so we started a campaign, uh, a communications campaign on that effort. Um, we've also started uh, a campaign called VRTID, and it's interviewing not only our employees, but our customers, both the water and power side, um, businesses, residential. Um, they tell them a little bit about themselves and then also that, you know, just noting that they are a customer and owner of Turlock Irrigation District. Um, we've increased uh, our, our digital presence. Um, we've invested in, in a podcast system, so we'll be trying that out this next year. But we've also increased our video um, and placing them on social media. We've also, um, our, the other overarching kind of goal was you know, just really analyzing business model changes. We've been around for a long time, 135 years, um, and we've done our business very well. Uh, we, Like I said, we're, we're very reliable, we're affordable, we're a trustworthy organization. But we always need to keep evaluating new technologies and to see how we should be adapting to incorporate them. And perhaps even, you know, thinking about some business model changes. Um, we've seen solar batteries, now electric vehicles, um, and we need to be ad adapting to to all of those. So those were kind of my overarching goals. And then I, of course, you know, talked about you know some very specific goals. Um, but the biggest goal that I had for 2020 was to complete our strategic plan. Uh, we needed a 2020 20 to 2025 strategic plan, and I uh, was very happy that that we did uh, get through that process, even even with COVID. Um, and this plan is not your typical strategic plan. Um, we we had a plan in, in the past. And, 
you know, sometimes strategic plans just, you know, you get through the process and, and you kind of put it on the bookshelf. Uh, I really wanted our strategic plan to a involve our employees all the way down through the organization, not just at the management level, um, to include the board of directors, of course, as it always has um, input from customers and um, both residential and, and commercial. And that it really was this active document that we could use, you know, throughout that five-year process and adapt if we if we needed to. So. Uh, heavy staff involvement. Um, we have goals. We have actions under those goals, and then we also have tasks that are associated to to different people throughout the the utility. Uh, we created our own website just for that strategic plan, so all of our employees can see the progress that's being made. Uh, we have videos on you know the projects that are completed or or the plans for the next year, and so. It's been really helpful for employee um, engagement and education because, um, you know, our employees are our are, are very best advocates for the utility. Great. Um, so are there any, you know, you, t- you talked about, you covered a lot of great ground in terms of, um, in terms of your goals and specific initiatives that, that are that are underway. But anything beyond what you already talked about that you wanted to highlight uh, that's going on at Turlock Irrigation District these days? Yeah, we have um, a lot of initiatives underway. Um, the first that I'd like to highlight is, is really creating a, a technology roadmap. Um, we, like I said, we're over 130 years old and, and some it feels like some of our technology is as well. Uh, it served us well. Um, there was a lot of programs on the technology side that we wrote in-house because we wanted to be completely custom. Um, but it's proven to be a little challenging to support. And so we are um, developing this roadmap uh, to help us, um, you know, kind of guide us through all of this new technology changes. And it encompasses everything from grid modernization and enhancements, um, geographic information system upgrades, outage management systems, um, uh, increasing automation to all of our current manual processes. Uh, new software for, you know, our accounting and, and billing sides, uh, upgrading our phone systems. Um, and the one accomplishment that we achieved, achieved off of that roadmap is uh, our new customer to meter program. And uh, that was a huge effort. Um, but, you know, really just focusing on here's all the technology um, needs that are at the district and, and here's how we're going to prioritize them. So that's kind of one initiative that we're taking in terms of advancement in technology. Um, The other exciting thing is that we will be joining the energy imbalance market. TID began that process in 2019, and later this month, uh, we'll officially be a part of the market. And so for those that don't know, the EIM is a real-time bulk power trading market that enables participating entities to economically balance supply and demand in the market area in real time by scheduling power deliveries every five minutes to better utilize its generation and transmission assets. And so um, that's exactly, you know, the benefits for TID. We gain access to resource diversity and maximize our assets, um, generation and transmission. Uh, It'll also help us uh, enhance our efforts in integrating renewables into our portfolio. Uh, we're very supportive of this process because it is completely voluntary, um, and we feel that that's much superior than other options um, out there today. 
the the last initiative I wanted to highlight, and I kind of highlighted it in the in the last question, was um, really this initiative of pushing that TID as a trusted community partner uh, for most of our customers. They look at TID as the utility bill, and they think about us only when they have to pay their bill, or perhaps when they're rarely when their lights go out. Um, but what I want is for our customers to really think of us anytime they're thinking about making a change, whether that's you know purchasing an EV um, or solar um, or any energy efficiency enhancements that they want to make to their their home or their business, and that. They think of TID to call as an expert. We have so many subject matter experts and that, you know, we are really here to serve them. Um, in addition, you know, it gives us the opportunity to talk about the fact that we're not for profit and that we're community owned and that actually our customers own us. And so we've had a lot of fun with creating, you know, some sub campaigns to really help with this whole theme of the, that we are a trusted community partner. Great. So um, obviously, as usual, there's a lot going on in California these days. Um, so in that context, um, would like to know what you think are the biggest challenges um, facing utilities in the state these days and how how does Turlock Irrigation District position itself to successfully meet those challenges? Sure. Uh, I mean, it is California, so we have uh, a lot of challenges. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, climate change has definitely impacted both sides of the district, both water and power. With power in particular, it, it's really enhanced wildfires in the state, especially in the last five years. Um, TID has always had wildfire mitigation plans uh, and veg vegetation management plans for decades, um, but they've become a formalized process due to the state having legislation and requirements on utilities. Uh, we did enhance our efforts. Um, going beyond what is technically required. Um, and that was just to provide additional reliability and safety to our communities. Um, so TID's wildfire mitigation plan um, was actually selected as one of six utilities in the state to be presented at the wildfire advisory board meeting as one of the plans that should be used as an example for others uh, in the state. So we're, so we're very proud of that. Uh, we have been impacted by one fire in 2020, the SCU complex fire. It was the fourth largest fire in California history, uh, and it did impact the western side of our electrical service territory. Uh, we had facilities impacted, and uh, we, we worked very closely with CAL FIRE and the Office of Emergency Services to ensure safety um, and helped you know, try to mitigate the, the fire from spreading. Um, and, you know, it just it's just an it's just an example of the fact that although we're prepared, prepared for mitigation and we have all these mitigation measures, you could still be a victim of um, wildfires as they spread throughout the state. Another big challenge for California, I think, is really um, just overarching um, grid reliability concerns. You know, I think the events in Texas a few weeks ago and the, the Cal ISO incident last August has highlighted reliability concerns for the grid. We've seen in California numerous hearings and legislation introduced in response to the emergency situation in August um, that led to a lot of utilities shedding load. Uh, luckily, TID is our imbalancing authority, and we are not relying on the ISO, and that was crucial in August uh, for our customers. 
we, like many other POUs, uh, kept the lights on and actually provided support to the ISO to help them mitigate their emergency. Uh, local generation, and I, I would say local decision-making, quick local decision-making helped us get through that situation without incident. And then lastly, this has been an, a challenge for quite some time, but 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 climate goals, uh, you know, local generation, specifically our natural, natural gas uh, fleet, uh, really helped us through that August heat wave. Um, but those resources have a huge target on their backs in California. Uh, as we continue to advance our, towards the, the state's climate goals of 60% RPS by 2030 and zero carbon by 2045. TID is on track to meet those goals and, and we're currently seeking proposals for another RPS procurement. Um, but like other utilities, you know, we, we do have long-term planning process, but constant changes to these energy goals makes it extremely difficult. Uh, Give an example, just last week, a bill in the California Senate was introduced that would speed up the RPS and zero carbon goals to 85% in 2030. Our challenge, just like others, is to balance the need to meet our state mandates with the cost to our customers. Um, it's definitely something that seems to be forgotten by, by most in Sacramento. Uh, we, we definitely don't want to make sure or we definitely want to make sure that we don't have stranded assets and that our customers aren't paying for generation facilities that aren't able to run because of state mandates. Okay, great. And I'm um, just kind of switching gears here for the latter half of our interview. Um, I'd like to spend some time talking to you about the, um, the role of women in public power and kind of just to lead things off, um, would like to hear what what advice would you give to women who want to pursue um, leader, leadership positions in public power? Sure, that's a great question. Um, I would say my advice is really based on lessons learned over my career and really really the mistakes that I made along the way. And um, I, I would encourage all women seeking leadership positions to make sure they step up and speak up. Uh, your, your voice matters and your opinion matters and not to shy away um, from, from doing just that, from speaking up and, and offering opinions, um, asking questions. Um, that's very important. There is no such thing as a stupid question. I, I remember being in a room you know, full of engineers and others and um, being terrified to ask a question. And I, I, I look back and I cringe when I think about what I said, but I would always preface my questions with, I, this might be a stupid question. And, and it, it really never was. <laughs> and uh, so definitely don't do that. But, um, but, but be sure to ask the questions that you want um, in, in any sort of environment, whether it's in a, in a bigger meeting or, or following up with the subject matter expert afterwards. Um, another mistake I made is I would go into the room and wait for the table to fill up in terms of the meeting. Um, and if room was available, then I would sit at the table. Um, but I would, I would always wait to do that. And I would encourage people not to do that. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily because there was a, a female, it was just because of my role at the district. I was, you know, a communication specialist and, you know, you're in a meeting with, a bunch of engineers, you know, talking about a complex problem. And so um, I was always intimidated to sit at the table that feeling like my voice um, or my thoughts didn't matter. However, I was the only person in the room that had the perspective of what does this mean to our customers? 
Um, so, so don't doubt yourself, speak up, ask the questions, sit at the table. Um, the other, other advice I would give is you find a mentor. Uh, I didn't really do that when I was younger. Um, however, I did it later in my career and it was tremendously helpful. Um, I read a lot of books and now I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm forever learning. Um, and one of, one of the key things that helped me within the past five years was surround yourself with other positive women figures. Um, I find it unfortunate that not necessarily even in the utility world, but all around that some women tear other women down when they rise up, you know, to certain levels of positions. Don't ever do that. Um, you know, congratulate others, empower others. Um, and surrounding yourself by the other positive women in your life can be hugely helpful. That's great. Yeah. And uh, I know speaking with other uh, women in leader, leadership positions, the, the mentor theme has definitely emerged. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and then just um, keeping with the, the topic of uh, you know, women in, in leadership positions and public power, what steps would you say public power utilities can take in terms of creating pathways for women to pursue uh, leadership positions? Well, you know, I think I think it starts with encouraging women to join the industry to begin with. Um, you know, you know, partnering with with the schools. You know, that's what we've been doing is the, the local schools, not only even at the high school level, but elementary. Um, and then, you know, we have two two colleges near us. Um, illustrating that that we have women in very successful positions at at the district you know and what opportunities that are available so I, I think starting early is important um just giving them this this vision that you know hey I'm a female and uh there's other females doing this this sort of work um so I think I think that's crucial uh I I do think also identifying management potential early um is is helpful. And, and I would say that across the board, not just for women, um, but for, for, for young rising stars, you know, identify them and help them early, mentor them, develop them, encourage them to, you know, mentor the next generation, but um, kind of finding that next leadership talent. Um, and, and it might not be, you know, I mean, I'm a great example. I'm a, I have a communications background. I am no engineer by any means, but I'll tell you what, we have a slew of fantastic very intelligent engineers here. Um, what you're looking for is is a leader, um, and sometimes that doesn't look the way you might think it would, or or that it might need to. Um, meaning that it might not have that degree that you had slated for on on the piece of paper in terms of a requirement. You know, so try to think outside the box of um, you know leaders. Leaders look a little different these days. Um, I would break down any known pathway barriers in your organization. Um, I know most have already <laughs> by law, but, um, you know, young females, you know, that have their eyes on leadership position, it's no secret. You know, they also want to have a family, um, and be able to embrace as an organization that that is a positive thing. And that's not a negative that, you know, they should be on parity with all of their male counterparts. Um, regardless if they need to take a couple months off or, or need a flexible schedule. It doesn't make them less of a candidate for any sort of leadership position. Um, 
And then I would lastly, I'd probably just say highlight the women who are in the leadership positions now. And I, I, you know, just like you're doing right now, I am so thankful for the opportunity, but um, it's helpful. It's helpful to see the women leaders that are out there and and really their story on, on, (laughs) on their journey to get to the position that they're at um, is, is really helpful. Great. And um, so just finally wanted to, wanted to get uh, any details from you in terms of um, professional development opportunities that have been uh, particularly, particularly meaningful for you. Sure. Um, I have participated in many leadership development opportunities over my career. Um, it's ranged all the way from very local um, to, you know, kind of regional based. Uh, I, both industry associations, both water and power, I participated in, in kind of leadership development um, networks. Um, I would say there's a there's been a couple that have have stood out in, in my personal career, but um, I and I would say that the one that stood out to me the most was actually one not related to the industry. It was really a um, a regional group. And um, it's called the New Leadership Network, and it was sponsored by the Irvine Foundation. It was really kind of a select group of random leaders in the community, and it was really the goal was how do you how to make our community a better place um, and to live. Um, so, so that was pretty powerful. We, we learned a lot of new techniques um, for problem solving, something called design thinking, which um, uses a lot of empathy in terms of how to solve problems differently. Um, system mapping, that sort of stuff. Um, so learn a lot of cool tools with that. But I would say um, leadership, you know, you know, networks and, and programs are important. But I think the thing that I've got out of most of them is just meeting people <laughs> and establishing my own network, um, people that I, I learned to trust um, and then people that I you know, have a great relationship now that I can reach out to and get, whether it's work advice or even, even personal advice is, has been really helpful. So I would say the power of a network is, is, um, is hugely important, um, as, as you're developing as a leader. Um, I, I, I just, I would encourage, you know, going back to the, to the mentor, um, it is, it is extremely important to find somebody that you look up to that you can trust that can help guide you along the way. And it's not somebody that's going to, you know, just talk to you the whole time. It's somebody that's going to listen and empower you and give you great ideas and, and challenge yourself to, you know, kind of rise up and, and push yourself a little bit further than, than you have. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I could list a whole bunch of <laughs> the ones that I've actually, um, participated in, but I, I would say that that local one had, had meant the most to me. Um, and then ad- in addition to that small group of females that I luckily found within, actually within my own community, they aren't even in the industry. Um, they're just strong women leaders. Um, there's, there's three in my group in particular, and, and it's kind of funny because they're all three different ages and, um, and, and then I'm the fourth and I'm, I'm of a different decade as well. And so it's been a great empowering group and, uh, it, it kind of surprised me that just having that local, you know, group to be able to have dinner um, and, and converse with over 
a whole bunch of different issues and not necessarily about our industry has been super helpful in my development. And I think that that's what I would recommend um, for others as well. Great. Well, Michelle, um, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. So thanks again. We really appreciate it. Thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you.